You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app, join Brandon and I this week on Friday afternoon to get in on the Suns talk. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. We're going narrative hunting here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation, as well as Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns, where you can tell me which Western Conference team you feel the most confident and the least confident about because that is our topic on today's show. I'm joined by John Voida. He also covers the Suns alongside me at Bright Side of the Sun at SB Nation. John, we've had you on about every month or so, but it's been a while. We're getting toward uh, what, what to me has been a little bit of an anxiety-filled couple of weeks, not so much because of the Suns' performance, but it just feels like we're getting close to something that I wasn't sure I'd ever see again. And I have to admit, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dealing with it super well. How's your mental state here as a Suns fan? You know, I, I, I kind of feel like DeAndre Ayton played last night. Uh, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for the playoffs. You know, DeAndre Ayton <laughs> yeah. looked really engaged in the Oklahoma City Thunder game. It kind of looked like he's looking towards the playoffs. Uh, I'm obviously over the moon excited, like every other Phoenix Suns fan, and I'm navigating feelings that I haven't felt in over a decade. Uh, just, you know, part of it is anxiety because you know what the the playoffs feel like. For those of you who are listeners who've you know watched the Suns for a long time, you remember those those playoff battles against the Spurs and you remember kind of how it feels with every possession, everything counts and everything matters. You know, now we have eight games left in the season and you're kind of just like, let's get there, man. But, you know, so much is, has to happen between now and the 22nd of May for that to occur. So I'm just I'm yeah. I'm ready to go. I am, too. I, I almost felt bad yesterday. Brandon and I were doing our show. We had this idea to draft Suns players from the playoff drought and see who could make the best team out of guys that are just from those dark days and I didn't even really give much of a thought to the Thunder game I I don't even have much to say at this point there there's some big ones left on the calendar you know the Lakers the Warriors Mm -hmm. the Spurs like there's some games that I want to use as benchmarks here but yeah playing OKC I I don't think anyone really has many thoughts I do not blame DeAndre Ayton he was really yeah like you said the embodiment of all of us I think but in general what what we're doing today here guys is Rather than try to keep up with the standings, which thanks to the play-in game and the condensed schedule and injuries and all of this are changing just about every day, we somehow have a Portland Lakers game on the calendar this week that could put the Lakers down to potentially like the sixth or seven hole in the West, which is kind of insane considering we were talking about them with four and five. Um, We have a lot of that going on. And instead of doing the math here, we're going to do the narrative kind of conversation because, John, what I keep thinking about with the Suns team is their youth. And Kellen Olson did a really good write-up at Arizona Sports. I think um, Seth Partnow wrote about it a little bit at The Athletic this week. 
putting into context how young this team is and how rare it is for a team so young to be in a position to be a number one seed, to potentially be on in the conference finals or, or deep into a playoff run like that. So we'll get into some of the other teams as we go along in comparison to the Suns. But just when it comes to these, these young Suns here, John, what are you feeling? Like, does that make you nervous? What's kind of the, the, the mentality about this team that you have now that we're almost a full season into watching them? I should be nervous. You know, as you mentioned, you have a, a ton of players on this team who are young, who are inexperienced relative to the playoffs. We should, as Suns fans, almost be shaking our boots a little bit because you don't truly know what to expect. But honestly, I'm not. And I think the reason for that is, one, the acquisition of Chris Paul and Jay Crowder gives you plenty of playoff experience. And two, it's the way that this team has performed consistently throughout the entire season defensively. You know, if this was a great team offensively, you you look at some of the Rockets teams of the past few years. You know, they're great, historically great offensive teams. But when you get to the playoffs, your offense doesn't always transfer. You're going, you're going against the best defenses in the NBA. But knowing that the Suns have the ability to shut teams down at times, and we've seen it. We've seen it in the big games this season where they come through. And again, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder games that will leave you puzzled because it's, you know, they, they can sense that they don't need to play with the same defensive intensity that they do against, like they do against the Jazz or the Clippers. So going into this postseason, I think due to their defense, due to Chris Paul's leadership, the, the effect that Jay Crowder as a wing who has plenty of playoff experience is going to impart to the other young wings on this team, I probably should, should be nervous, but for some reason I'm not. And that's weird to me. I think that that road, not even the road trip, but the seven game slate that we just saw the Suns finish up prior to that Thunder game. I mean, that was, I think part of the reason I'm ready is because I, that answered almost all the questions that I really had about this team in terms of some of the stuff that you just talked about. The ability to rise to the moment. I don't really think, you know, there there are going to be matchups that I'll be honest are, are going to worry Suns fans, of course. Like I'm not, kind of moving past that too much, but in terms of can they meet that moment, can individual players who need to step up do so, whether that's, you know, Devin Booker as a scorer, DeAndre Ayton against Giannis Antetokounmpo defensively, Chris Paul closing things down in the fourth quarter against the Knicks, Mikhail Bridges doing his thing. All of that happened. They checked all of those boxes and they went five and two in that stretch. So I think that is 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 put to bed to me is can you know are they psychologically ready for the playoffs and despite being young I think the answer is yes defensively to your point I feel like I was on this show for 2 months of the first uh beginning of this regular season and every guest I would have on I would say please explain the defense to me please tell me that either explain to me how it's real or tell me it's not because I can't accept that the Suns suddenly are this good on that end of the floor. And yet they, they really, really are. And they're to the point now where I don't really worry about the starting unit defensively whatsoever. I mean, again, are there some matchups that worry me? Yes. But generally speaking, they can roll the ball out and feel pretty good that their defense and their game plan night to night is going to work. So I'm like you, I feel like, 
those, the youth, the defense, those are two of the things that, that worry me the most. And I feel pretty good about it, but you, you talked about Deandre Ayton and there's been a lot of debate. I think Matt Peterson and I were going back and forth on Twitter who works at the NBA used to work for the Suns about if this idea of like, does Deandre Ayton need to be elite in terms of his productivity every night for the Suns to do what they want to do in the playoffs? Where do you fall on that? Cause I think I've already heard it in a lot of national conversations about this team of him being a real X factor and him sort of being the the piece that might be the least trustworthy just because of his inconsistency. Do you think he has to be awesome DeAndre for them to win four out of seven, two or three times? I think that he needs to be awesome DeAndre in one aspect of his game every night. I'm not saying like a complete defensive domination or complete offensive domination. I think one side of the ball, as long as he's playing elite, if you will, that's what we're going to need from him. And I'd prefer it to be on the defensive end, given the the potential matchups that might lie ahead for the Suns. You know, you look at him, he's the, he's the third leading scorer on the team right now. So yes, you do need his offense, but I think so many different players can contribute on this team. And the depth of this team is something that although it's going to be whittled down to probably about nine players in the rotation, there's enough offensive firepower from this team to carry the the points that he might not have to provide because he's going to be focused in on defense. So, you know, again, defense wins championships and it is so weird to see a team in Phoenix who stands on the, the, the pedestal of defense as kind of their identity. It's, it's weird. You know, we're an offensive team. We always have been. Uh, but I think that if DeAndre Ayton is playing elite, if he has an elite offensive game, then that's, you know, that's what we need if he has an elite defensive game. And if we can get those every, you know, those national TV eight and games that we get from time to time where he's doing both. I mean, yeah, we went four out of seven over everybody. So yeah, he is, he is a, a primary X factor for this team. I just think that, you know, depending on what side of the ball it is and what matchup they have to play against is what we're going to need. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. I, I kind of fall in the same part of that as you where I don't think he needs to score every night. And I think that's sort of, yeah. And, and I think that's part, I mean, it, it's a few things. It's one, I don't think that there, there are nights where we've seen the Suns execute offensively and win games where he just doesn't uh, become involved, right? He, he, the game plan, the, the flow of the game, it just doesn't naturally result in scoring opportunities for him. And it also means to me that just the the playoffs are are really going to be and and already have been for a few years perimeter oriented. You see big men going out to the perimeter. You see teams sizing down. So the idea that Aiton would be creating offense for himself like that's just not the type of player. It's going to be more of Bridges and Cam. I think is where I look offensively of guys who need to step up and maybe be more consistent. So I'm with you. I think a game like what we saw him do in the first matchup against Utah, where he scored 18 had 12 rebounds, but he had five stocks between steals and blocks and was just Mm -hmm. honestly outplayed Rudy Gobert in that game. That's what I think is going to be what we need to see. So if we're, if we're both optimistic about the Suns, I I don't think that there's no questions about this team, but I think we feel there's at least a path to execution on all fronts for them. That's unique in the West. So we're going to get into some of these other teams and then maybe close out the show with stacking the Suns up against some of these teams and and seeing where the momentum might lead us come playoff time. Cause we are still three weeks away or so we're going to have a play in game to, to decide things at the bottom. But uh, I think we're going to come out of this feeling pretty good about the Suns. We'll go, we'll dive into actually the Lakers 
right on the other side of a quick break. But first, I wanted to tell you guys one more time about Locker Room. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join a conversation about the NBA. You'll find fans just like yourself for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, or reacting to big news and rumors. Any any of you who have been on after a big NBA game, you'll know the place uh, really explodes. It's it's really fun uh, to just have a place to, to talk about what just happened with people. You'll even have a chance to chat with me and Brandon. Our Monday show comes to you live on Locker Room every Friday afternoon. So check that out. Be sure to join us. We're going usually Friday at noon. That's That seems to be when most of you are available. So that's what we're going to try to stick with. Go down the free locker, download the free locker room app now, guys. It's available on iOS as well as now a beta on Android. So that's opening it up to a lot more of you. Create a profile, link your Twitter account, join the NBA group, and get the le- latest updates of rooms that go live. You can also follow me at BrendanClean14 to be notified when Brandon and I start up our room. You do not want to miss this. Make an account, check out everything that's going on, and find our shows every single Friday at noon. See you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk sports. So if we talk about this, this Lakers team, John, uh, we have LeBron saying he'll never be this, be a hundred percent. Physically, we have him missing this Nuggets game tonight on Monday, which, which will already have happened for fans listening to this, but that's puzzling and sort of, I would say pretty worrisome. If you're a Lakers fan, we have AD still working his way back into form they were, you know, and still probably are the big bads here in the West. But if they're not like whole and and put together by the time the playoffs come around and are battling back from a six or seven seed, like that's a, a mighty order. That That's something we never even saw LeBron have to deal with in the East when he would just kind of slide through the regular season. This is a real uphill battle that's facing L.A. This is uh, this is purely john voida opinion only but isn't that just kind of how lebron james wants it you know the the guy who after he wins the nba finals last year shortly after the entire michael jordan chicago bull documentary has to remind everybody that he is you know he he's won the two toughest championships ever you know and now to possibility the possibility exists of him going through the play-in game and with this narrative of I'm not healthy anymore, that, you know, everything's stacked against us now, it kind of feeds right into that narrative that LeBron wants to remind everybody because he controls his own universe. He controls his own media. He wants to let everybody know, hey, what I'm about to embark on is possibly the next toughest championship ever if we were to win it. So I almost see it kind of aligning with LeBron trying to, you know, make us feel like, oh, he, there's no way that he can do it. This The, the, the cards are stacked up too much against him. I don't buy it. The Lakers still scare me. You look at their lineup. I mean, Anthony Davis, uh, he'll get right. LeBron James, he'll get right. They have the size. They have the playmaking. They got Montrez Harrell, Marcus Sauls coming off the bench now, uh, which is a better role for him. You have, uh, you know, THT is playing well. I mean, it's, I hope I'm, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's no reason to be scared of LA, but until I see it, they're the current world champions and uh, I don't want to play them. Yeah, to me, I feel they're deep is is the thing that that still worries me probably more than anything. And that's what I think we all anticipated at the beginning of the season is that 
this team was going to be far deeper than it was even last year and still, you know, didn't lose many of last year's pieces. So they can have the the defensive intensity that they put together in the bubble when they go small, when they play, you know, Caruso alongside a LeBron, AD, KCP sort of trio. They have Drummond in there. You can kind of give take or leave what his defensive intensity can be, but they're more versatile, they're deeper, and, and they seem mm-hmm. to be getting it from even different guys than we expected when you throw in Horton Tucker as well. So that scares yeah, me. I, I agree. They're they're deep, they're versatile, they play defense. I mean, you I would can't not, mark a team out that does that. Yeah. My thing that I've been that I've been thinking is I would almost rather face them early when they're they're still sort of reeling and, and trying to put it together. Like the Suns might be in a situation where they wouldn't face the Lakers until the conference finals or so. And that's where I actually get more scared because you're giving them two rounds to put it together before you have to deal with them. Yeah. And, you know, I wrote a piece, uh, I think last week for bright side of the sun, and I was pretty much making the opposing point that I don't want to face the Lakers until the conference finals. If I have to face them for a couple different reasons, one, they do have to go through both of the first two rounds in theory to get there. And given the injury history of both LeBron and AD this year, there could be opportunity, which you never wish upon any team, but there could, you know, realistically be an opportunity in which they could be re could re uh, injure themselves and might not be available. Now, obviously I want to, you know, I want to beat the best. Um, But I think that, you know, I still kind of stand behind that because it's also two rounds of opportunity for, you know, one, the Suns to to get locked in. But I just think that a tired team is a better team. And and I can see both sides of the argument because, you know, now you look, I think uh, this morning they announced that Dennis Schroeder is going to be out for the next 14 games due to COVID-19 protocols. Well, that puts him coming back right before the play in games and things of that nature. So, you know, he could not be right as well. So, you know, I I'd still like to put my distance between them because that is also two opportunities and two rounds that they can lose to another team and we don't have to face them at all. So that's true. If you were giving me the option to not face them at all or face them in the first round, I'm going to take the second or the, the first one. It does feel unlikely just with the way the standings are right now. The, the Lakers would have to either fall all the way to eight if the Suns keep the one seed or they would have to fall to seven while the Suns also fall to two. It just, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it's lining up that way, which is good news for, for Suns fans. I mean, all things considered, you, you want to have a matchup that you're feeling more confident about winning. And even if they're not whole, I still feel like you, you, you probably favor a 70% Lakers team over a hundred percent Spurs team. So I, I definitely hear you there. Um, but the, I think the other big, scary team here of course is the Clippers the other LA team and we've seen you know they the Suns beat them the other night but that was without Kawhi Leonard Mm -hmm. I I feel like to me they still remain one of the more scary matchups for me when it comes to the Suns because of how they can size down and make Aiton's situation a little more precarious in the lineup and they just have star power that actually can surpass the Suns if both guys are at their best so that's all said, they also seem to have have maybe cleared out a little bit of the the questions around their culture. We haven't had as many of these what's wrong with the Clippers stories this season. Lou Will and Montrez Harrell are gone. I'm not saying they were the issue, but they changed things up a little bit. Uh, Rondo seems to usually be a little bit of a galvanizing force for teams lately in his career. So 
they they seem to have cleaned things up a little bit, and they're not they're not losing any ground winning wise. How are you feeling about the Clippers? Yeah, this, this is probably the team that scares me the most. Just you know, you you go through and you look at the teams below the Suns currently. The Jazz, we swept them. The Nuggets, we beat them one out of three times, but two of those times, you know, one was without Devin Booker, and another one was. Uh, we could have won the game. There was a missed call on Jamal Murray three. So I do have confidence against that team. The Mavericks, I clearly have confidence again. The Blazers, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, I have confidence against all these teams. The Clippers are the one team that scares me because of, you know, one, the star power. But it's again, it's defense. Their stars are highly uh, effective defensive wings. And they're the guys who can create trouble for Devin Booker and Chris Paul. They can guard Mikel Bridges. They can really take the Suns out of their game. And you couple that with their ability to shoot the three ball, and it's it can be really scary. You know, you look at the two games that we played against them before uh, the game without Kawhi, and they, I mean, they shot lights out. Is that sustainable in the playoff series? Probably not. But still, I think that given the fact that you have Kawhi Leonard on their team, who has navigated teams before to NBA championships with Rajon Rondo, who's another guy who's navigated teams to NBA championships. If they, you know, just kind of stay the course and do what they, what they, what they're going to do, they're going to be a good, and DeMarcus Cousins is looking okay. You know, you're not going to get a great defensive performance from DeMarcus Cousins, but he's, you know, now played in 10 games with them. Uh, he's starting to look a little bit better. He looked really good against the Nuggets the other night. Ultimately, the Clippers lost that game. But they're a team that definitely scares me. They have good perimeter defense, and they can guard that interior and shut out Aiton and, and uh, you know negate entry passes. So they, they can kind of beat the Suns at our game. That's exactly what I was going to say. You, you, they, It's kind of like the anything you can do, I can do better type of thing. Yeah, like, exactly. There's not really something you look at as, as far as a strength for the Suns that the Clippers are weak at something where the Suns could really just, just poke at it, scratch at it and, and expose it over the course of a playoff series. And the fact now they have Terrence Mann, who's like another option on Booker or Paul. He's, he's really broken out lately. That, uh, that team scares me for sure. On the other hand, they do have these questions about whether they can, uh, overcome last year. They completely imploded. I don't think that we should say that that's not a possibility again. It's just the type of, you know, prove it sort of situation at this point. Um, I understand the bubble was unique. They've been very open about the challenges, in particular, Paul George. Their culture, again, seemed to be worse last year than it was this year. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, but that question is going to loom over them. So they're not exactly riding high. They also have these health concerns. Both of their star players have dealt with injuries for three seasons now, each of them, and they're both on pretty heavy rest schedules. So that that should ideally help you in the playoffs. But like you were talking about with the Lakers, you know, longer you go, you get into a series the or into a run, the longer there is to, to get injured. So there are questions there. So th- those are the top two. I think everybody would agree. We'll get into Utah in a second, and then I'll ask you if there's anyone else really that scares you outside of that top four, uh, not in the standings, but in all of our sort of all of our sort of rankings. Um, but first, let's take another quick break. I want to tell you guys about Rock Auto, the second sponsor of today's show. With the ever increasing numbers, makes and models, it can be hard to tell even what your car is sometimes, let alone find the right part for it. When you're looking from a dealership or even a chain store, they don't make it easy. They definitely don't make it cheap, but Rock Auto 
changes that. Their prices are the same for everybody, which means that whether you're a pro or a do-it-yourselfer, you're going to get charged the same amount. Their prices are reliably low, and they don't change them. Some of these dealerships obviously are going to try to raise the price if you look uh, like you don't know what you're doing. If you're desperate, they're going to mark up the price, then you're never going to know. So Rock Auto doesn't do that. You can check the prices day-to-day. They'll always be the same. And to avoid the problem of the makes and models and, and the complicated nature of all of this, rockauto.com has a catalog that's very easy to navigate. You just type in what your car is, go to a landing page with all of the parts right there for you, scroll down, click on the part you need, find the options available at Rock Auto, and then purchase it. Very simple, very cheap, very easy. So if that sounds like something you might benefit from, and I can't really imagine why you wouldn't, check out rockauto.com. Whether it is something small like new carpet for your car or something a little more complicated like motor oil or brake parts, Rock Auto has it and they're going to make it smooth for you. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you make your purchase, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. One more quick word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. The NBA and NHL are rounding toward playoff time, and the UFC and MMA fights lately have been pretty insane. Uh, A lot of stuff going on there. Those are some of the most fun to bet on, including boxing. Uh, You can go round by round. You can do live stuff, or you can just really lay it on thick with all the fights on a given night. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information that they have over there. And best of all, we have a deal for you guys. Head to the website or your mobile device again. Sign up today, make an account, and when you make your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On. That's all one word to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, head to the website or mobile app, make an account at Bet Online, and use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus right into your account. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, John, so the Jazz. Let's let's hit them really quick here, um, and then we can kind of size up the, the whole thing here in the standings. How are you thinking about this Jazz team when it comes to the Suns? They, they obviously swept them. Phoenix did. They... Last game, no no Donovan Mitchell, no Mike Conley, so it wasn't the greatest test. But I have to admit to you, it seems like this this Jazz team is not entering the playoffs with much momentum, with Mitchell still sidelined with the injury. And from a Suns perspective, I don't know why you would be scared to match up with that team come playoff time. Well, if everything was is going to stay the same, the only time we'll play them is in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. So if we do have to play the jazz and they do make it to the Western conference finals, we'll have a different perspective on that team. Cause they're going to go through the same competition that we're talking about previously here. So, you know, you look at it holistically and you look at how we played against them this year. Yeah. I mean, we played Rudy Gobert, a defensive player of the year off the court in the last game that we played. Now, granted didn't have Conley, didn't have Mitchell had to do some of the heavy lifting and, and because they didn't have, uh, the defensive ability to stop Devin Booker and Chris Paul, we could put him on a string and, and expose him a little bit. He was also getting but if we, the ball thrown out his face by his teammates yeah, and yes. had to have a pee break. So it was a rough <laughs> night for Rudy. Yeah, he had a rough night, you know. So, you know, there's only so much you can take out of a performance like that. Uh, obviously, the other two games we played against them, 
you know, good performances by the Suns. I don't know if you remember all the way back to the preseason when we played them twice in the preseason. They beat us both times. Now, games don't count, but there's things that you see in there that, you know, are cause for concern. You know, if DeAndre DeAndre Ayton gets into foul trouble, you know, they could expose us because both Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors, those are just two monstrous guys in the middle who, you know, unless Frank Kaminsky really starts to step it up, I don't know if necessarily we can beat on the interior, but you know, the Jazz are team, I think overall, I, I don't think too much about because I know that we're not going to play them unless we see them in the Western Conference Finals. And if that comes to fruition, then I'll worry about it then. But they're not a team that necessarily scares me, obviously, given our performances against them this year. That would be, I agree, very unlikely uh, for both the Suns and the Jazz to, against all odds, emerge as the Conference Final opponents. Wouldn't the um, NBA love that? Oof. I mean... <laughs> The NBA would love Clippers Lakers probably. So I'm not really on board with what the NBA wants, but in that case, yeah, yeah, that would be, I also think it wouldn't be very close. I really do feel confident about the Suns being able to handle Utah without much of an issue. So it would be a quick series. I mean, I guess that gets the Suns to the finals, which like let's knock on all the wood we can, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think too much about that one either. So that said, who else, does anyone else worry you in the West besides the teams we've talked about? I don't, I don't know. And I think that I should be worried because of that. Cause you know, wouldn't this be the most sun season ever to get a, a one seat out of nowhere. We look at these other teams that are fighting for the play in, you know, if we do remain the one seed, the team that, ha- that we're going to be playing is going to be tired because they're going to have to earn that eight spot. And then we'll go against a team and they'll beat us. You know, like how, how suns would it be to play the Spurs in the, in the first round? Because I guess that's the only team that mildly scares me just because, you know, one, obviously the Spurs blew us out of the water, but not, not even that. You're you're going against Greg Popovich. And, you know, shout out to the Fanning the Flames guys, uh, So Says Jay and Dervish of World. They said post-traumatic Spurs disorder. You know, until we I get through it. those Spurs, I, I know that we swept them in 2010 and I was there for one of the games. Uh, but, I mean, this team has eight players who average over 10 points a game. Now, granted, one of those was LaMarcus Aldridge, but it's typical Spurs – just we're going to beat you in a ton of different ways. And even though they haven't had the greatest season, they're currently sitting at 31 and 32. For some reason, I just feel like that's the team that scares me the most. The Grizzlies don't, the Blazers don't, Warriors don't, but Spurs for some reason, just it's psychological. And I know that. No, that's fair. And they just beat the Suns a couple of weeks ago, right? In an unexpected game. So it's not as if the Suns have just, handled them thoroughly we get two more matchups against them to size things up the last two of the regular season which is a little bizarre but we'll see a couple more of those yeah this year's Spurs team is the kind of squad that they'll have they'll beat you by five and no one will score more than 14 you know what I mean it's Mm -hmm. it's like the most bizarre team and and very very Popovichian um so I I think that's fair I I actually would add the Grizzlies in terms of first round matchups because We've seen that team play the Suns pretty tight over the past couple of seasons, including the win on Martin Luther King Day this year. That that was a less fully-fledged version of the Suns, but but nevertheless a win. They don't have a great answer for John Morant necessarily, so that, that one would be a little bit worrisome. They also just don't beat themselves, and you kind of hate to play that type of team in the first round. But yeah, I, I think we're on the same page here. Nobody well, in the, the first round should, should give the Suns much of, of a problem. The Grizzlies are a team, you know, you look at the other two games and we blew them out of the water. And John Morant is a uh, a young star in this league, but he does play a lot of hero ball at the end of the games. And that would obviously play in the Suns' favor, who are an extremely clutch team. Obviously, the re-implementation of 
Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't been going as well as they want, nor the national media wants because they love him so much. Uh, but I, you know, a, a team that could potentially scare me is Memphis. I, I see what you're mm-hmm. saying, uh, but it would be very old Suns because the Suns used to always play the, the Grizzlies in the first round and go right through them. Yeah. You know, back when they had like OJ Mayo. So sure. I would like to play them just for old time sakes. That's fair. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, and I'm kind of picking nits like no one in the first round should should give the Suns too much of an issue. But it is it, it has been such this the same hierarchy in the West for so long that it's like there's memory playoff memories for any of these teams that could keep Suns fans up at night. But all of that, all of that said, John, I'm curious. We, we seem to agree that the Suns have answered a lot of the questions. There's not a lot of uncertainty and, and they're, they're fairly healthy. I think that they're being smart with AJ Crowder and even Adario Saric, who's still not playing a ton of minutes, even though he did take some time to figure out that ankle. Uh, you know, if Crowder can come back before the end of the regular season, I do feel bad that Abdul Nader had his surgery. I felt mm-hmm. like that's where we were headed. Anytime it's sore knee for weeks and weeks, you know, a surgery is coming. So very disappointed there. But other than that, I mean, that's not really a top 10 rotation guy and the Suns are, are healthy. So I, I, I wonder, like, how can we avoid being too cocky here? And, and is it just a matter of things will change in two weeks? Because I think if we have this conversation going into the playoffs and AD and LeBron are both healthy, Dennis Schroeder is back from, from the health and safety protocol and the Clippers are get, have Serge Ibaka back and, and all of this, maybe we won't be so confident, but I mean, the Suns are the one seed. They have, mm-hmm. they have no real hole. Like, I don't know. I think it's not crazy to feel really good about this team. And I feel like around the league, that's how people are starting to feel as well. It's not just like we're in a, a Suns fan black hole here in Phoenix. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I wouldn't say we're cocky. I think history has, ta- has taught us not to be, I think that we're pessimistically confident, you know, you, you nailed it. I mean, there, there's not a lot of holes on this team. And when those holes have occurred, they haven't turned into trends. They've been a game here, a game there. And that's, again, you know, the, the playoffs is a different game. You're going against the same team in an effort to win four games in a row. They're going to find where your weaknesses are and try to exploit them. And thankfully for this team, outside of like three point shooting at times, we don't have a ton of weaknesses. So, yes, I, I, Suns fans, you should be confident right now. You should be happy about the performances that we've seen, the way that this team has come together. They've shocked everybody. They, they've outplayed all expectations relative to the regular season. Uh, but going into the playoffs, you know, again, I'm, I'm pessimistically confident because the moment, you know, if, if the Suns have ever taught you anything, I, I, I wrote a piece on it at the beginning of the season about welcome to the bandwagon and, you know, the, the word that de- defines our history is almost. There's a ton of reasons why we could have almost won championships. And hopefully this is the year where we can put that behind us. And I've truthfully, and maybe this is me being older since the last time that we went into the playoffs, but I've never been this confident. Even those old Suns yeah. teams, they would play amazing during the regular season, but they would have a tough time against the better teams in the NBA. And that's not the case with this team. It's like this team's I, tough. I, that, I it think, is. Not to say that those other teams were not, but they got the toughness out of a select few guys. They had these specialists like Araja Bell or, mm-hmm. you know, players like that who, who you knew were on the team for that purpose. The Suns have it up and down this roster. I mean, their best player is a, 
uh, I think politely pisses everybody else in the league yes. off and in a good way, right? We, we love it, but it's uh it's certainly different than a guy who's a, a six foot non-athlete who's not playing a style that necessarily translate. I'm not saying Steve Nash could never have won a title, but we knew the limitations going in. I don't know if we, we feel the same way. I mean, Chris Paul is small, but, um, and, and not to mention too, like the re- other reason to be confident is we're again, not, not to focus in on how the standings are too much, but there's not a lot of time left. And it looks Ooh. like we could be in for a, you know, spurs and then nuggets first and second mm-hmm. round. Like you could yes. avoid all of the three teams that we really doc- talked about today before you even get to the conference finals, which is like a, a complete blessing. And one that I guess the basketball gods thought that the Suns fans earned. I'm not really sure what to make of that, but <laughs> Yeah, I kind of agree. There's every reason to be pretty, pretty confident right now. But any any well, other thoughts before we wrap up? Well, it, it's interesting. So you know, uh, shameless plug here: the Suns Jam Session podcast, where my uh, co-host and I, Matthew, we host after every Suns game. A new segment that I just started doing was SB Nation says, where I go to the opposing site for on SB Nation of teams we're playing just to hear what they're saying about the Suns to get some perspective. And the one word that stuck out to me that I've never heard about Phoenix Suns teams is physical. And, and you nailed it. You know, Raja Bell, we brought in Kurt Thomas because we needed more, you know, physicality down on the block because Amari Stoudemire couldn't do it. He was better as a four. And, you know, the, the rest of the league sees us like that right now as a physical team who plays defense, who is going to get under your skin, who pesters you, and who is really hard to figure out. And maybe Lady Luck is finally looking down at the Phoenix Suns organization. And while she turned her head away because she didn't want to see Robert Ori shove Steve Nash into the to the boards, and why she you know she was looking the other way when the coin flip happened back in '68. Maybe she's finally gone. You know what? Here you go, sons. I'm going to give you a nice, easy path to the NBA Finals, and just hope that the Nets aren't waiting there for you. There we go. All right, I think we should wrap up before we get too too out of hand here. I don't want to put any bad negative jinxing karma into the air. But uh, it was fun as always. Pessimistically optimistic. There there you go. Yeah. Uh, It was fun as always to have you on, John. Uh, You can follow him guys at Twitter at Darth Voida. He cover, he, he hosts, as he just said, the Suns Jam Session podcast, writes about the team at SB Nation. Uh, Thanks as always, John. I'm sure we'll have you on soon. Uh, Much appreciated. Go Suns, baby.